and welcome to Keyframes, the podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hiya. And Duncan. Hey there. Uh, yeah, uh, we are going to be talking about anime shorts in this episode, and that doesn't mean the kind of shorts you wear because it's it's summer vacation and you're going to go catch cicadas. It's, aye, aye, aye. Um, Although sometimes it does. <laughs> sometimes it does. Sometimes it it mostly works. means OVAs, um, installments in a shorts anthology film. That's probably what I'm going to be talking about. All other sorts of things. Duncan, this is your topic. What uh, do you think about anime shorts? I think you're our biggest shorts booster here i can't stop thinking about how i'm talking about shorts now the the pants i think uh, i i think it's 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 mostly to do with the fact that being kind of like mainly interested in like my i came to anime for the animation rather than anything else and, mm-hmm. and everything else is slowly permeated into my being as, as it, it tends <laughs> to do but maids um yes maids Pollocks. um <laughs> but when you have uh people doing shorts that tends to be where uh, it's at its purest where people can just do interesting things experimentally because they don't have any pressure to do a full tv series or anything else or you just have a five to twenty minute thing to completely encapsulate what you want to say and that generally means people can take risks doing things with the format or taking a concept from start to finish or just doing something interesting with technique and i think you see different strengths from those different things. You can see writers who just have like a, a short story they want to just get out there, which is just complete. You get artists who just want to take a technique and just refine it and practice it. And you get people who are doing things which know they only need five minutes. They know that any more than that would be superfluous. Yeah, I... I I think we're going to be going in very different directions because I know that you watched a bunch of the anime ex, animation expo videos and I watched a few and I've watched a few over my time. I mostly Same specialized here. in uh, those Otomo compilation movies like Memories, Robot Carnival, Short Piece. Didn't get a chance to watch Neo Tokyo, unfortunately. And I'll talk about those more in detail maybe after the break. But for here, I, I, with Otomo... I frequently got the sense that these these shorts were beautiful art in search of any kind of story whatsoever. <laughs> um, and that's generally not the case with the with the expo where they often do seem to be seeds for later. Like it, they're almost like pitches in some ways, if yeah. not for that animator's there's, there's talent for the, some... this setting or thing. Yeah. I mean, it's worth mentioning that like My Hero Academia. Uh, uh... My yes. Academia. yes. Little Witch Academia. <laughs> my, li- my my Little Witch Hero Academia. My Little Witch Hero Academia was a you know was a short that we started on and uh, it evolved into a series that was kind of pants. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some, sometimes you probably you've got an idea and you think, well, this is perfect for a, like a, a a short thing. Then you you should kind of just let it sit there and, and rather than drag it out into to something which is x number of episodes long but as, as i'll probably talk about more when i get to uh talking properly about uh the uh animator expo there's certain things which did go on which were as ben said showreels which then got made into mm-hmm. you've got yuri on ice you've got gridman um like those are two of the more prominent ones but there's there's a couple of others which got made into um, full-length OVAs or f- um, films like The Dragon Dentist, which I think, like, yeah, that's uh, that's fine. You, you've kept it within a relatively confined thing. 
the other thing which inspired this is kind of the complete opposite of that, which is um, something called uh, Pui Pui Molka, which is a series of like five minute oh, yeah. shorts about um, stop motion guinea pig cars, which is pretty, pretty genius. It it's is. all on Netflix. <laughs> I fucking love Pui Pui Molka. It's good. It is. <laughs> and dumb. It is both. It is. Ap- <laughs> but but it, 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 each of those little episodes works perfectly in the, the five or so minutes they exist in if you mm. on netflix because that it's not really designed to handle shots they bundle them together into like um sets free each one of those is just those those five minutes where the span of a single joke is where they operate best like if you as soon as you've you mm. you set up you elaborate and then you pay off and and then if it goes beyond that it kind of degrades and Molkar was perfect for just setting up elaborating a bit and then paying off yeah another another favorite sort of comedy short of mine um which is also like not even a uh, not even based on any animated short of anything but uh, moriando of the woods or mori sound of the woods is an absolutely insane little short uh and everything that guy has done is weird and crazy but i absolutely love it um so it's definitely on youtube Check it out. It, it's just yeah, you brought you, you brought it up way back when. I remember. I, yeah. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I remember you just mostly being tired and talking about how weird it was. Every now and then, I I, I look it up because it is so like the level of humor that is in that. It's all about a guy who is dressed as a penguin, and then they talk about, and then there's a bunch of animals with human faces, um, just talking about whether he is actually um, a human or a penguin. Uh, and it's it's very funny. It's a very strange, funny little quirk, um, like short, um, that's evolving. But the other thing, I mean, I think I was really going to mention also was YouTube has really blown up the shorts in a way that yeah. we we don't really think about, especially music videos. Like I know our um, there's a couple of favorites of mine. Uh, the one that Duncan mentioned me, the artist Zuto Mayo. Uh, or uh yes the full study name. me is is like i think the outstanding of the, the works which has been done for that artist like she seems to get a fair uh collective of different artists working on different videos i think she has like one artist who does all of her work and then she gets different studios to do it um but it is a it's a constantly constant uh law and world that they seem to live in which is mostly to do with weird mecca and sort of believing in oneself i think her music is incredible and i think that the, as a whole the art is fantastic um but the, you know it's not just relate shortened to her there's another there's loads of other bands like yorosh uh yorosh Kua, i think his name is i can't find it at the i, mo- I noticed moment. that she'd won an mtv award for one of those uh videos i think you can see how in japan these things have have a impact like i don't know when the last music video apart from this is america which which i've i've really noticed like i don't watch music videos anymore because i I guess i I guess i'm old because it's because it's not because it's not the 90s we're not watching vh1 yeah i mean yeah they had a i think they had a mimetic currency for a while but like it's the rare music video that's not that's not just a showcase for the song itself so you have to seek it out by liking the song i think in my experience i think well i think ways that like youtube premium has made meant that people have started watching the music videos more like definitely if you know the band jungle jungle's music videos not anime related but are absolutely fantastic and well worth a watch of just like 
very professional dancers doing whole takes in very precise choreography, choreographed movement, uh, which is great. The other one I was thinking of was uh, Yoroshka. Uh, she's very good. And then also um, the uh, Akane-chan cannot, uh, cannot decline. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know that one. The um, Akane-chan will go along with anything you say. Um, yes. Uh, Gyari and all of his, like works even though they're few they're absolutely fantastic little like vignettes of comedy and uh mm-hmm. and these v- vtubers trying to do their own thing <laughs> yeah i it's so interesting how many directions we can go for shorts because like as you said we have the animator expo we have these um like high dollar anthology films we have comedy shorts there are so many mm-hmm. like melancholy hiruhi suzumiya chan mm-hmm. um uh, uh petite Pucci eva petite eva cinderella yeah. girls we have so many something something there's an idol master one you know yeah. yeah they're all over yeah the internet has really given given these shows the ability to have like these like low budget webtoon comedy shows and then that gets spun out into like tq which uh, if you said that like a comedy uh, short has to like just have one joke, TQ make has is two and a half minutes long, and they make a joke every five <laughs> seconds. And if it doesn't land, wait five more seconds. There'll mm-hmm. be another joke that will probably be funnier. Art might be less funny, but it doesn't matter because in five more seconds there'll be another joke. It's and it's just like someone I forget who described TQ as just like a comedy anime where they take out every single pause, so they just cut from joke to joke to joke, and. That stuff's great, but it's not necessarily what I think of when I think of shorts. I tend to think of the more staid, prestigious Mm -hmm. ones. Even when I'm thinking of music videos, I'm thinking of like Miyazaki's only music video, uh, On Your Mark, which involves like two cops rescuing an angel girl from a government facility. Uh, It's it's fine (laughs) to look at. So. (laughs) I don't even think that the the lyrics of the song, not, not that Japan cares as much as some some countries about like making the lyrics of a song make sense, but like they don't have nothing to do with like two cops and an angel. One of the most notorious things to come out of uh, Japan at Animator Expo was uh, Me Me Me, which was mm-hmm. essentially just a mm-hmm. a music video. Uh, well, yeah, almost a uh, <laughs> like yeah. Essentially. I mean, it it's a very difficult thing to to talk about because it is essentially borderline etchy slash almost that the 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 border of where you would start to call something hentai i think it's it's not quite there it's i think it's 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 more more etchy than anything else but it's it's stylized in a way yeah. that makes the horniness um sort of ironic and therefore it can get away with it as well as it being then some sort of nightmare yeah, uh, it, it's it has both um, the 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 message that lusting after two um, D women is uh, when you're you have a real person in your life is a bad thing and and yeah also please look at these uh, macly drawn uh, real two D women for you to Google go Google 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 over and it's it's prime cake and eating. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think that shorts allow you to often have your cake and eat it too. You can gesture towards yeah. a larger story or gesture towards, and you, you don't have to like. No one has to sit with it because, like, except for shorts that really abuse the the definition of short. Like, it's out of your life in twenty minutes. And in the case of Andy, who doesn't even remember 
Magnetic Rose from from memories. No, I really don't. But remembers the other two short, the other two inferior shorts much more clearly. I don't. Uh, like, yeah, you don't. I mean, let's get into it then. Like, cause I... I remember. Like, <laughs> you, you're right. I mean, it could just be because you watched them all, and the last one, I guess, had the less impact. But it's three shorts. The first one is very much set in like a a World War. Actually, no. Magnetic Rose is the first oh, one. It's it? Magnetic Rose, and then Stink Bomb, and then uh, whatever the canon one is. Cannon, cannon fodder. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't remember it because maybe I didn't see it. Maybe I missed the first one. <laughs> <laughs> came in came in late to your anime club viewing. Yeah. You should rewatch it. It's 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 it makes the rest of the movie, which is not particularly remarkable, worth seeing. <laughs> I like, so. but I like going back to like. So the the canon one is some sort of like Cold War like. World War Two era mm-hmm. town, which is all based around this giant mm-hmm. gun that's to shoot down the opposition, and it is very like stark and cold and affrontive. And I actually thought it left quite a strong impression on me on just sort of like the way that you can. It's not like I guess a traditional anime art style at all. It feels very Western in the way it's withdrawn and designed. Uh, definitely on definitely on purpose, a sort of a. A statement as to what it's trying to evoke and i thought it was pretty good um i mean i like that one too i just it's not it's i guess it's one of the things you sign up for when you watch a short is like maybe you're gonna watch something that's just just really an allegory yeah. and there's no like there's no diegetic reality in there it's literally just an allegory for as you said the cold war or in general just like how like having a militaristic society breeds militaristic people like, because at the end, the kid's like, I, I don't want to, well, he doesn't, he doesn't say it in so many words, but like, I don't want to be a worker like my dad. I want to be the officer who points the cannon. And that's like <laughs> his big dream. And that's like, that's dark. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, 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 it's a really grim indictment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. In general, I just don't, I don't think I like Otomo's shorts mm. very much. And we'll talk, we'll go into more about like Robot Carnival. But like, I think that Cannon Fodder succeeds largely because he's not working his usual idiom. You know how like Otomo character designs look, they all look like the Akira kids. Yeah. Um, it's, it's comprehensive that they, that he has one face. And even if he makes a female character, it's just, Same face. it's just Kaneda wearing a wig. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, I, I it's, I just, I, it, it feels as big talking about shorts as it is like talking about anime because there are so many angles. Mm. It's ridiculous that, we can call as part of like the same like medium subgenre, we can call these like 40 minute uh, vignettes in like a, a massively expensive uh, anime movie and like a music video. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Takashi Taniguchi, who makes commercials in his free time. Like his, his main, his main, uh, source of income seems to be like making just like extremely weird commercials for Japanese brands, like where we're a bunch of talking rechargeable USB lighters uh, talk about how much they they love existing. So yeah, I mean Japan loves that kind of stuff. The long, long man, <laughs> like the Sakuru yes. Gumi like adverts are notoriously mm-hmm. excellent as like a weird ongoing gag that must have lasted like a year of a campaign. <laughs> I think it's um, it's kind of notable that the. The written format of the short story is just as sort of argued over in terms of its form as as anime shorts are. Like different people want to confine and uh, define what a short story is to an extent, 
And I think with anime, it's it's the same. Like it can be just like a a vertical slice, or it can be something with like which is almost an anecdote. Like you just stumble into a scene, you see something happen, you stumble out, and I, like those those feel like whether something should exist after the short feels like an important thing to me quite often uh-huh. like whether they it you like for me like the the, the i guess i i'm i'm on the, the side where i feel like if you you could like never see any more of that story ever again and you'd still be fully satisfied with what you you saw then i'm for that um that's why I don't like most Otomo <laughs> shorts, because a lot of them seem like either look at this really cool sequence I've animated or like, isn't this intriguing? Don't you want to know more? And the answer is to no. Is to most both is usually no. So I don't know. You reminded me of uh, another short today, Ben, which was um, Little Spider Girl. Um, I, I think like in terms of self-contained works, like that's pretty damn good at doing everything it wants to within those 20 or so minutes. Yeah. And I like that is my probably my favorite form of short is just the like 20 to 30 minute like it's the novella mm. like to go to go back to your yeah. comparison of short stories like like I like I like the novella format and I think that in general the media landscape is and has always been enormously hostile to things that are neither a TV episode length or a movie episode length or movie length but that like yeah uh <laughs> I was gonna to try to say it's it's Japanese title, but like Little Spider Girl is much more much more pronounceable <laughs> than uh, uh, Wasure Nagumo. Yeah, Wasure Nagumo. Um, and that one also I think is good. And this is probably why I ended up liking Short Piece the most of all the of all the Otomo uh, anthologies I watched and rewatched uh, is because it's it's a real story and like it it I find it moving. I find it affecting. Um, maybe not like great art, but it it is it is impactful, and I think that that often counteracts my suspiciousness with shorts that do feel like popcorn, like the TQ style of just like throwing an idea and they're like, oh, you don't like that? Here's another idea. Here's another idea. Okay, we're done. Bye. It was five minutes. So yeah, like um, yeah, that, it's got a dark ending. Was <laughs> yeah. Nagumo, so. That robot on the road that you sent us, Duncan, was was bad. What? Bad thing. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I got to well, while we were waiting while we were waiting for you. I got to I got to watch our like resident horn dog Andy react in like horror and discomfort at how this robot was acting. Just, just as a complete fucking vulture and just, <laughs> just a gross robot pretending taking. You almost called him a human. Was, how how moving? Yeah, it, maybe that is the most human of his all his aspects. Is <laughs> that even robots can get horny? <laughs> Uh, it... That's a designer who who had worked with uh, um, uh, Otomo a lot, a lot, weirdly enough. So yeah, there's a link has, between the two. And it has strong Satoshi Kon kind of overview yeah. as well. Um, but I still despised every minute of it. <laughs> he was scandalized. You really missed out. I've never seen anything <laughs> like this. <laughs> I, I, it was just such a asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the robot. One thing I As particularly a, like before, about that. Before you, okay, continue. There's one thing uh, I, 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 I like about robots Duncan. on the road in particular, and uh-huh. that's the 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 lady who he hitchhikes with face and her expressions. She just pulls the best expressions. Yeah, 
there's a, a scene where yeah, the robot's just like, oh, I'm going into sleep mode. I can't see what you're doing at all. She goes, okay, right, I'm going to go have a shower. Good night. And she, she's, she's about to get undressed and she does this click, just turns around and just gives this <laughs> absolute, what are you, what? What was, no, I didn't hear that. And like there's this later where, where like she catches him and she's just got this look of absolute disgust on her face and, and just completely pissed off. Like you don't get to see disgust and and, and anger. I mean, I will argue that you do yeah, in anime quite yeah, a bit, but, no, but uh, it, not with this level of animation. But it, it was it was more it wasn't just it wasn't just that she was undressing and he was like luckily managed to find pictures. He previously destroyed a coat a curtain hanger. Like shower curtain. Yeah, he was a complete skeeve. By pretending to be run to be like you know ill, so therefore destroying it, so he could then take pictures of her undressing. And it was basically a short story of a hitchhiking robot who was also had a camera like in his belly, like a pervy version of the Killer Queen from JoJo Part Four. Uh, and um, I- speaking of JoJo, <laughs> <laughs> but someone would have got that reference and appreciated it. Uh, and that's what matters. Uh, and then, and then starts. It pretends to fall asleep, and then just starts taking pictures of her undress. Uh, and it was um, disgusting. Uh, yeah, and then, instead of learning his lesson, he then tried to creep into his her room later and take a pic and be like, "Oh, I fucking nailed it!" And it's like an indictment on online scurviness and perviness, and you know, uh, attacking women and all that kind of horrible shit. Uh, and then also the way he doesn't learn. So in many ways, there's like a good allegory, but it's it's mostly from the view of him as sort of saying like him clearly not learning or wanting to learn his yeah. lesson uh, and just being a pervert and then being able to get away with it. So um, would you say then it's a short which doesn't benefit, which which because you don't see any consequences to his actions, that's a that's a, a down for it. I mean, the consequence he gets to the actions is being beaten up, but he doesn't have it enough i i just not dismantled she doesn't decapitate him he should be supposedly he pressed the reset button which was clearly like an obvious misnomer and was obviously a a a fake out for some for situations like this that he's already gotten himself into multiple times but it was a bit uh how cruel is it to make a robot horny they can't (laughs) fuck well he's not even supposedly according to his five second backstory He's not even that horny. He just knows that if he takes pictures of women naked in, you know, assuming situations, vulnerable situations, then he can make money <laughs> off of it. And that's exactly what he does. Um, so he's, he's, he's like no, no recompense for him. He's a complete piece of shit. It's, it's uh, basically which again a... is maybe the point. Maybe that is the point of it. Yeah, but... he's he's basically <laughs> just a Google or Facebook algorithm like, who's been told, right, um, pictures no. of naked women get a lot of views, so <laughs> go forth and get them. And he does. <laughs> I think you're excusing his actions because mm. he's well aware of what he's doing. It's I, not I, like it's he not didn't know. It's not excusing his actions. It, it it's is. indicting it is. In the companies which create algorithms which... Uh, s- systematically go out and do th- equivalent things to real people. Ill. Say so. Well, now we've <laughs> now we've definitely established that you can have complex emotional reactions even to even to one-off shorts. So. <laughs> Did you that's watch good, cassette, yeah. cassette I mean, Girl, Andy? Because that's probably yeah, more was, your thing. It was fine. I it was just it was just a reference to Daikon Four, and then some other like fun little references, and uh, the animation was jiggly. 
uh, to say the least. It was Gainax's head CG guy doing it. As, so yeah. all those things make perfect sense in terms of what it would be. Agreed. And, and to be fair, you could tell the the Gainax influence and also the fact that it was CG was very nice because for a lot of the time, you couldn't quite work out it was CG. But I think if you're saying, was it all CG? Or, yeah, it's, some it's of it pretty felt much hand-drawn. all. I think I, I, a lot of the backgrounds were hand-drawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of a nice um, form and, and message mix where you've got, like, talking a tribute to the old... Because uh, uh, I, I didn't know the... When I first saw this, I didn't understand the reference to the uh, uh, Daikon 4 um, opening, which Daikon 4 is a uh, sort of uh, fan con, uh, which is... Yeah. Uh, which had an opening video done by some of the founding members of of Gainax and has become like kind of remembered as like this wonderful early example of their talent, which is not quite lost, but kind of very much not lost. <laughs> like doesn't exist. It only exists kind of on tape. It's never. There's never been like a high res version. It's just something. I think which... there is a there is a project now to try and get it high high def. And to be remastered in a way. There okay. Is, there are. There are. There are. People are doing it. I. I had always assumed that it was just um, one of those those cases with which has happened with quite a few shows where they were just mastered to video and there's no film or cells anywhere. But they're like redrawing it. Oh. Okay. They're not like. Okay. They're not like. They're not just like you know putting it through an algorithm and making GTA the collector's definitive edition. <laughs> You know, they're, they're properly trying to redo it, do it in a more professional. Because like you said, it, it is a relic of its time and it's also important to preserve those relics. It's also quite fun and it's very like referency and meme and sort of like has loads of stuff, which is probably why they can't really sell it on any professional capacity because it has loads of licenses um, that agreements yeah. that they're going to have to get around with now with Disney, which I imagine would be even harder. And it was um, it was interesting with this girl that uh, the that the evil robot she she fights looks distinctly Transformerish. Yeah, sure. Like it was like just how much can we get away with is breaking copyright here? Yeah, I mean the cassette the cassette girl was fine. Like it felt like one of I guess another sort of thing we don't talk about is fan service but not in the sexy way more in the literal way of giving people some little hints and hints and nods to things gone by and sort of a love letter to their previous works and it felt like it was very much that i didn't i enjoyed it i i quite liked it um and, so yeah it was it was fun and it was it was i liked the fact that they did do it all in cg this love letter to uh, to betamax and video who's and like the amateur anime done by like industry professionals in perfect CGI, and kind of like saying, in like you don't have to forget the past. You can let it inform doing new new things, and that's like quite a, a, a sweet eats message. Like kind of accepting their their past while also wanting to do new things. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can see where you're coming from. I think there's also there a lot of people being like, oh, why have they CG'd it? They just made it ugly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I didn't think it was actually. I thought it was pretty stylized, <laughs> but only because it was like the way that Cassette Girl was drawn was very simple, and very like 
it, it wasn't complex and detailed. It was like a very simple sort of like cell shading, which worked for that. Did either of you watch, uh, it's spelt the same as a different anime, but uh, Canon from uh, Japan Animator Expo, which was a little story by one of the, which was done by one of the directors of the EVA Rebuild, a a long time uh, Gainax uh, veteran, and is basically a retelling of the story of Adam and Eve and kind of on the idea of creation and how someone can lose control of their creation to others and it it felt like a, a very much a, a oh god i'm stuck making eva and what are the consequences of that <laughs> yeah uh, i have not i have not um, you you also posted uh, another one i can't remember what it's called project un project something something that's not helpful no. oh there you go bureau of proto society um, oh yeah, yeah i watched yeah, that which, one too which was fun it was just a story about like people stuck in a in a bunker and then trying to work out what happened to humanity but clearly all they've done has been watching vhs like yeah. old <laughs> movies and assuming it's reality uh, which was fun um but it felt like sort of a, a comedy response to pale cocoon which is the time of eve guys sort of so you, like you know it's the same same guy i did not know it's him yes yeah. <laughs> that, that amused me a lot when i found out it's, it's like him going well here's another way my characters might have, have thought back on on what happened to their world and like just <laughs> i thought it was one of the better self-contained ones like it has like a uh, it's, mm. it's it has this joke it, it's like okay so it starts off, it elaborates it, and then its payoff is is like you have the, all these people who have thought the world ended it because of, of all these apocalyptic films, and then you have a resistance group who think the world's still okay because they've been watching magical girl shows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was it was a good bit. It was a very strong bit, and I I enjoyed it. Um, but like you said, though, there's not really much more to get into that. If anything, we had more talk about a pervy robot than we did about. People. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's the ideal of a short is something that just gets in, it tells its joke, and it gets out. And I did appreciate how the Bureau of Proto Society didn't didn't waste yeah. space. We just have like guys sitting in a room around a circular table talking about like theories, and then the resistance broadcast comes in. And that's the end of the. That's that's yeah. all. They didn't need to like whatever happens. The society is fucked because people people are taking movies for reality, which is yeah a, a message not one that needs to be like explored too deeply yeah. i don't have anything more to say watch zutomaya videos they're amazing all of them <laughs> I, I watched plastic Nis- i've watched plastic nissan again. yes plastic nissan. again um, amazing amazing Fucking... even better even better than the first time i because i've i know more about anime so i'm getting more of the references <laughs> i mean still the um... best bit is when the guy sort of like claps his jersey explodes and he's got like a bra that he then like pecks Slaps them off onto the two robbers. <laughs> oh, that didn't that didn't make you that didn't make you uh, uncomfortable and feel like the guy should have to go to jail. I mean, he did go to jail. That was the joke at the end. He very much got arrested. <laughs> so, so that's what you're that's what you're missing from the horny robot one. Yeah, <laughs> there should have been some some future cops that showed up. But also, I, I, I mean, yeah, it, it was a gender reversal sort of joke thing. It yeah. was very well played. Like, I don't know, plastic no sounds great. No, it's pa- the pacing is great. It's I mean, we've talked time and again about how like how to put four coma mm-hmm. onto screen mm-hmm. and like the short format's very good because like a four coma is is like a, a forty five second skit that you can just put on and then move yeah. on. 
Uh, I love the uh, the one where she's trying to punish her, and she's like, "I'm gonna put your bag between my between my legs and rub my butt on it," and she just does it like all day until she's so sweaty she falls over. It's good stuff. Even this season, Commie's episodes are split into three or four bits. I think. So I'm yeah. not sure if it's three or four. Yeah. But that means each each section's probably not longer than five minutes or so. So it's it's clearly harking to it, its past. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's head- heading back to what I said about how you you can't sell something if it's not epi- TV episode length or movie length. So I mean, they know that and they just combine it all together. I I still love. I mean, Pop Team Epic is I love because it doing like <laughs> it, it didn't realize it had a thirty minute slot and thought it only had fifteen, so they then just showed the same thing but with different voice actors. Uh, I fucking love. I don't know. I've been rewatching a bit of Pop Team Epic because somehow there's a second season, but from what I can see, is it's just the first season. Which, knowing Pop Team Epic is the joke, but also, like, you watch some of that, some of those stuff again, and it, it's really fucking funny. I, I don't know why you guys don't watch some of that stuff more, because, like, as for throwaway jokes, it's good. They're, there's, there's, like, the, the great one where they have, like, a badly animated, like, pre, pre like, just the voice actors recording the lines of um like an epic dragon fight like fantasy thing and then it cuts to the actual voice actors in the recording booths sort of arguing and harassing the producers and calling him shit and saying that they're not paid enough to do this job and uh uh, it's funny it's really really funny and uh i don't know you guys have shat on that show too much and i don't understand why We, ha- we haven't talked about it for years. What are you talking about, Andy? You should talk about it. <laughs> okay, Andy, I will, I will tell you what puts me off Pop Teen Epic. It's a combination of in-jokes and meme culture, which is profoundly insular. Like, if if you know what it's talking about, then I'm sure it's hilarious. But a lot of the times it's like, I'm not sure I entirely get your but reference there. I think it's a mix. Like, sure, there are some bits which it's like a, a 15, like a 10 second reference to like Undertale and then another bit to do with Gundam. But, you know, then there's also just straight up animations of their funny four shots. And it's fun. Like some of those stuff is funny. Like the beef or chicken jag gag is funny. The the like the bit where he's trying to take a picture and she just sort of like puts her hand underneath the camera. And they're just like funny little bits. And like, you know, like Plastic Naysan, like... TQ, they're gone in a in a few seconds and they don't really linger around. And the stuff that does linger are either I admit, sometimes they don't work. There's been a few of those episodes, a few of those gags which just bounced off me. But then, you know, that's the nature of a true blue sketch show. Not everything you're gonna find is funny, but they have the ability and the space to explore it. Um and someone will find it funny. And if they don't, then they just won't use it again. Yeah, I my my main issue with Pop Team Epic is pretty similar to Duncan's. I just I find it like way too memey, way too smugly irreverent. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't think that a lot of the jokes in Pop Team Epic are coming from a place of of like honesty and truth. And I think that that's funny for some people, and it's just not for me. And so uh, now that I've grown, I guess I will apologize if I ever made you feel like a lesser human being for liking Pop Team Epic, right, already um, know despite your manifest lack of taste. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, but even Andy fine. has a line, and we know it now. Yeah, Horny robots. <laughs> Horny Horny robots. robots. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, that's fine. I, I genuinely think it, it, it's a fantastic show, and uh, I will still hail it for being that. Um, but I also agree with you; it, it can be that way as well. Um, but so can like a lot of these shows. <laughs> so can you know, um, 
one with the eight kids. Can't remember what it's called now. I mean, oh, Osamatisan. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, that's why people have feelings and opinions, and they differ from other people's. <laughs> <laughs> so we can have a podcast. Otherwise, it would just be me yeah. broadcasting my <laughs> anime opinions, like Resistance Radio or something. <laughs> a little guerrilla radio set up in the matter. Yeah. Guys. Fucking episode 12 of Evangelion's a really beautiful analogy for love. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I crap on Pop Team Epic, but, like, almost all of my complaints can be applied to Sinar Setsuba Sensei. Mm. And I think the main difference is Sinar Setsuba Sensei looks artistically just so much better. You see, I think that's fun because it's funny because, like, I love how top Pop Team Epic messes with style. Like, it sometimes it's cg sometimes it's hand-drawn sometimes it's pixel animated sometimes it's like these little at like fluffy ball animated like characters they get a french studio in it's great like i i think i think they're fucking fantastic <laughs> i think one of you mentioned uh, uh neo tokyo i didn't watch it that was the one i that ah, was okay. the one i couldn't yeah. get in time so no, no, sorry fair. uh I, I made a choice about as many as i could and that one was the hardest to uh <clears throat> locate so uh i i didn't get to it unfortunately have you have you seen it it's i i, I enjoy um um bits of it but i i think kind of like the thing which that reminds me of and which kind of like sadly found out with uh japan animation x expo as well um is that these things kind of disappear into the ether after a while that yeah. Because there isn't really a way of monetizing them in the same way that um, a feature length uh, thing would be, that that now the uh, the Animator Expo website just has just basically a cyber squatter page, and there's 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 <laughs> yeah. no none of the videos are actually available anywhere apart from people who've re-uploaded them to YouTube and and it's not complete and there's some which you can't watch in English and some which um, are just like not there at all and it's, it's a little little sad that these creative works just don't exist anymore. Yeah, and I think that the like Robot Carnival was notoriously hard to find. There was a guy on a on the old Idle Thumbs forums who like spent forever trying to track down a copy of Robot Carnival when it hadn't like gotten a big release, and then Discotech bought it up, and it, Discotech Eastern Star bought it up and released it, and he was like, "Oh, it was that wasn't actually worth tracking down all this time." <laughs> but um, there's just there's just, with with these specific anthology movies, it's just because. The cultural cachet of Otomo just swelled to unbelievable heights mm. with Akira. Mm. And so Neo Tokyo and Robot Carnival got dusted off again. Memories comes shortly after uh, Akira. And I think almost everyone who watched it watched it because they liked Akira. And they like, who else? What else is this guy? What down? else is this, is this guy's name attached yeah. to? And it was attached to, uh, to Memories. Um, and then we just had the weird interval until Short Peace in 2013. Which is more about Atomu giving a Atomo giving a a stage for young artists who are working with CG because I guess he my assumptions he got convinced that you know CG is the future so now time to do a CG animation expo and to be fair I'll talk about it after the break which is probably coming up fairly soon but like I love short piece uh, I heard it was pretty mediocre but I thought all of the all of the stories had arcs and were actual stories as opposed to like 
fucking Robot Carnival. Also going to talk about that after the break. Some of those were not stories except for like Robot Rescues Girl. And when that's a 20 minute, when that's a 20 minute story, Robot Rescues Girl, you're just kind of like, oh, my God. Yeah. I wish it was more beautiful or, or shorter. <laughs> Short piece is a lot shorter than one piece. Which you would have thought you'd only have one and done, but no. Dear me. Well, that's why they call it short piece instead of one piece. <laughs> yeah, no. You're like, right. oh, here's this. Yeah, yeah I, want, I want one piece, and they hand it to you, and you're like, oh, this is short. And they're like, yeah, it's yeah, a short it's a piece. Short, Sorry. It's a short one piece. And then a thousand <laughs> episodes later, they're like, fuck, what have we done now? <laughs> no, this is good. <laughs> this is a good bit. We can run with this. <laughs> I do think. You've brought up one thing which is is useful there, which is that in a lot of of the times these short collections are basically studios deciding I want to give our younger animators a chance to prove themselves. The fact that um, uh, JAA was uh, run by Kara and um, Studio Trigger have put out a lot of um, their own short stuff, both within that framework and just things like Luluco and um, Turning Girls, where they've just given people who wouldn't normally be in line to get themselves a, even a single episode to leave their mark on, just can actually go out and tell these, this like little five-minute story. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember. I might have misread this, but I always thought that the Young Animators Project was... Uh... Also, slightly government funded as well. I could be wrong on that hand, but uh... I don't believe I. I've I haven't heard that, so I don't. Okay, fair <laughs> I mean, don't want to I wouldn't be surprised you. if there's grants uh, involved in arts yeah. projects. Often yeah. do have a, mm. a, a element to that. It would make sense why the site's no longer there because the yeah. grant runs out and they're not going to maintain a, a dead site. So I mean, hopefully they'll put a collection in, in like a big old Blu-ray collection box. That'll be a Kickstarter in a year's time. Oh sure. yeah, and it'll be no, <laughs> Andy. You, you, you're not thinking big enough. There'll be NFTs. Oh yeah, we can turn them into NFTs. Oh. That me 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 NFT oh, will be uh, millions, <laughs> but it's fine. I think Ubisoft created a, a, a environmentally friendly NFT, so we're good now. We've actually saved the planet and money. We've made money and we've saved the planet. It's all good. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now that that's our second. <laughs> our second digression uh last comments or should we launch into uh talking about the new jojos and me complaining about huh? otomo for a, a little while longer uh, after the break no no seek out Zutome. we also no. haven't talked about the the weird like other youtube and nico nico doga videos but i don't think there's really much to say i mean that's just going in that's going into almost like indian outsider anime which I think would be an even a topic for another time. Yeah. We're just coming up with new topics every time we record this podcast. And, and, now and then we're we're experts. We'll have to delve into the deep lore of Toho anime, um, which is very problematic, <laughs> purely because it's too as as problematic as a as a creepy robot. Though, well, problematic for legal reasons more than anything. So oh, yes. Uh, then... Well, also the pro- the robot is also problematic yes. for legal reasons. Agreed. But again, not, not what, what you, you mean. mean. <laughs> more the fact that people have invested so much money into a Toho anime. That it's actually professional and incredible. And then the creator Zun has been like, I don't know whether this is technically okay now because uh, it's too good. <laughs> I like the fan made <laughs> stuff, but this yeah. is professional level animators and lots of money was poured into it. Uh, and it looks incredible. Yeah, you don't wanna you don't wanna be embarrassing the original <laughs> by by outdoing him in his own job. That is one good way to get a cease and desist letter. 
So. I, I, he, he can't cease and desist it. It's all common grounds. But like his art is dog right, shit, yeah. which is why I love everything that happens out of Toho fandom and lore. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> do we have do we have do we have Toho on our on our topic list? No, we don't. But uh, we could definitely put it on there. We should definitely put on Toho. Yeah, let's fix that. Uh, all right, let's take a break, and we'll come back to talk about Otomo anthology films and about Stone Ocean. What's that? Stone Stone. It's Joan Joan Joshin. Oh, Joan Joshin. Right, I I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so Stosif Olin <laughs> Joan Joshin. <laughs> I mean, my favorite my favorite JoJo's is is the fourth one. Jaimond is unjakeable. <laughs> so you don't like Jattle Gendency. <laughs> And we're back to start off with Andy's going to be talking about the first half of the sixth season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Stone Ocean. Stone I had to pause not to say Joan Joshin because my brain's completely <laughs> broken now. We spent uh, too long on the what, bit. A, what a break y'all missed, missed <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we, just need to, we just need to insert now us going through every name of every JoJo and being like, working out what this stupid name would be. Um, yeah, no, the... <laughs> no. Very Please, no, no. tell us what the real show... Let's, let's, let's stop. Um, stop fucking around. <laughs> so, JoJo's, obviously, as everybody knows, is a, a much-beloved series. Uh, Bond, especially for me, and I, I know Jeff is also a fan. I think everyone's a fan apart from you, Ben. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> this is part six, which is based off of um, Joseph uh, Jolene Cujo, who um, is Jotaro Kujo's daughter, who uh, manages to get herself into prison and then is trying to break out of it. Uh, it's the very much for, like, as far as the studio's concerned, it's still Studio Dean, um, so its quality is not as high as Part 3, and I don't think anything ever will be, um, but it does a very decent job of animating what... I know people consider this the worst arc. I really love this arc. Like the the fact that it's in prison, it's a female Jolene Jojo and her her power is like she has a string like a a metaphysical string that can move and do anything that she wants. Kind of like a a spidey power but with more dexterity and fidelity. Uh and it's really cool. The stuff that she does is really funny and like the the way that it allows her uh, explore sort of like her backstory and her relationship with Jotaro, who, whilst is cool as fuck in part three, you do get the impression that he's actually a piece of shit in real life. And that's pretty much how he transpires to be. Um, and that to me is like really fun and fascinating. Uh, just seeing the dichotomy of this person who feels very hard done by by his father uh, and wants to have just like an ounce of sort of recognition and uh, appreciation, but also like doesn't care, but is also in this really bad situation where she's in a, a prison, um, which is loosely based off of Alcatraz, I believe, called uh, the Aquarium because it's in the middle of a giant ocean and there's like one bridge in and one bridge out. Um 
but yeah, no, as as far as JoJo's go, I really enjoy this JoJo. Uh, I also quite like the enemy. Um, White Snake is a cool fucking uh, or uh, Enrique or Pucci as like that's not his stand name. Um, is really really good. Like he's a fun evil enemy, and I. Don't quite. I haven't quite gotten to the end of the twelve episodes yet. I can't believe that they're even halfway through the amount of content that is in part six. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing where it, how it where it finishes because there's at least another two seasons that they can string out of this um, JoJo. Uh, like the the ending is. I think people really hate the ending because it's both confusing and also they don't technically kill him. Um, he kind of kills himself by erasing himself from time. <laughs> no, do pe- wait, no, sorry. Do people get mad that like the hero didn't get the kill shot? Is that yeah. how people really think? Yeah, no, they really wow. think that she's the weakest one because she doesn't technically kill. She didn't murder a man, apparently. <laughs> she doesn't. Yeah, uh, she doesn't technically get the sort of the final order, order, order against the bad boss. Oh. Uh, I really like, and that's the thing because. I absolutely loved it for that. I loved it for the fact that she, that, like, there's always been a level of sort of smug superiority and cleverness around all JoJo, right? Like, every battle, mm. it's sort of like 15 mind games melded on top of each other. And then it just does a thing. And then you try to, and then it spends another five minutes backsplaining what it's actually happened. Uh, but I like that it's sort of built on that and then made it, made her defeat quite clever and interesting um but yeah people really don't like her for that reason which is i think Weird. ridiculous i think the sit the setting and the situation is really great it's just a prison it's a prison escape it's a prison you know like that's all she's trying to do and she meets some great cast along the way like foo fighter and foo fighters and weather report are absolutely like fantastic weird jojo like allies that really stick with you in terms of what they can do it like yeah i don't understand it myself but uh, i'm so far it's been an absolutely exceptional uh run of one of my favorite arcs yeah yeah i think it's it's always weird when people like when you're talking to someone and they reveal that they have a criteria for what makes a good story or a good hero <laughs> and it's it's something that you'd never care like i would never be like oh she didn't personally murder the bad guy so she's a bad hero like yeah i agree i mean not 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 to not to go all star wars but like i think it's better when you like defeat the villain's like will to live rather than god that makes me sound like a serial killer doesn't it uh, but, no but like the the but, ones the ones in which i mean Harking back to some of like the Batman comics as well, the the best the best Batman versus Joker ones are the ones where they don't just fight; they just sit down and have a conversation. <laughs> you know, like that. You don't want to see Batman curb stomp the Joker, and that means he's right <laughs> and good. I mean, evidently Jesus. you do. Because, but yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, a, I'm sorry, listener, if I'm putting you on blast because <laughs> because you like to have a big final fight. I get wanting a big final fight. I just JoJo's has so many of those. Yeah. Why would you want more? Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, there is a big final fight. It's not like there's not a fight, but she definitely like comes out weak. But like, I, I, it doesn't matter because it's still a, like an awesome. It's a story. It's a yeah. story. Yeah, and not everybody has to be strong to have an interesting story or to be a good person. Like at the end of the day, she's incorrectly, uh, you know, accused for murdering a um, 
for murdering someone and that's why she's in jail to begin with. Uh, I, I thought it was... I think it's great. Can I ask, ask something, Andy? What I've, I've only seen a few shots of the, the, the season's first few episodes. But what the hell is going on with that lawyer's character design? Oh, yeah, it's weird, right? Like, there's the other thing. Like, there are some character designs that are so bizarre. He looks like a high elf. Uh, I don't, and then he's got like weird sort of horn things growing on his like skin, like these weird like tw- twisted skin <laughs> like, horns. Does that actually mean anything, or is it just no? Hap- no. Happens to be how he is. It just happens to be how he is. There's a similarly like there's one there's one guard. Uh, there's like what? Yeah, there's one guard who has these weird like literal bug eyes that sort of, if you imagine echoes from part four, like. Kind of looks like that, like weird bug eyes. It doesn't mean anything. It's just Hiro- Hirohiko just messing around with, uh, and me- like messing around with body form and just making something memorable. I think it's fun. I I I do like yeah. that, but it it's very clear. Like he's. I think it's also kind of showing that he's an evil guy. He is evil. You'll find out. He has skin horns. Yeah, it's actually like the way the way that they do it is great. Like she wraps his. She wraps her like stupid, like metaphysical stand string around his neck, and then he turns on the uh, aircon, and then it dries around his neck and starts choking him, and then he crashes into a barrier, and uh, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good comeuppance for that guy. Um, yeah, I. So I mean, she does kill people. Evidently, she killed that lawyer. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> she's not. So she's not Batman. <laughs> horny, horny robots. No killing lawyers. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, she's not a, she's not a good person. Like just like Jono is literally actually a mob boss by the end of that show. It's hard. She's a bratty person for sure. Um yeah, it's good. She's I, I love it. I I don't I think the other weird thing is her like her character the, the costumes that she is in uh is more and more artful and more and more like creative in ways that I think is really it's sort of different from like anime Sort of style it feels like it's an actual like actual fashion is considered when looking at some of the stuff that jolene is in and i think it's really good and really cool um that reminds me of a question i meant to ask you andy is uh, when we were on shorts is um i really enjoyed thus spoke uh, kashibi rohan yeah. i wondered if the there was any other like non-jojo um anthologies manga had had done which might get made into similar stuff because like i I like jojo's in bite bite side pieces i just can't (laughs) stomach an entire series so if there's some more of those going to come up i'd be i'd be happy to hear about it i mean i know that hirohiko adakai's already done um uh rohan at the louvre where he goes to the louvre which was i think partly paid for by the louvre well is is, uh, is that actually i always assumed that was like just kind of like a a, a book of a, t- a tour of the louvre or something it's, rather a, than full a, story. On, it's a full-on manga i think it's like oh, cool. slightly both um i think there's a stand somewhere in the louvre and then there's also a uh there's yeah there's a very good gucci short as well about oh, cool. a bag that is owned by the president of gucci which disappears stuff um and that is also like that's pretty good i Again, Vaspa Kishibe Rohan is a, a collection of other stuff that just feels like it just happened to work out to be three episodes. I doubt we'll see any more. 
Um, yeah. But we might, we might, we might see some little JoJo shorts. There is a lot of Ro- Rohan material out there. There's a whole manga of Shibi Rohan stuff. Um, there's also visual novels as well. Uh, not visual novels, light novels. Sorry, of Rohan. JoJo Vis- JoJo VVNs would be quite something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's not a visual. It's a light novel, but it, they're really good. There's a bunch of JoJo lore and stuff out there that isn't even close to being animated. Um, but I guess we'll just have to see if they ever do Steel Ball Run whether there's enough interest in love in Jojo to continue. <laughs> Jill, 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 run. yeah, no, let's stop this now. <laughs> let's, let's drive the show into the ground so we don't do it next episode. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a, the best way of dealing with it for, mm-hmm. to me. You just kill it dead. Yeah. So yeah, Jojo. I'm, I'm tired and slightly hungover and I don't want to talk about Jojo, so I'll just, I'll just clown on it ceaselessly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Well, it sounds fun. I mean, I I am going to continue my slow march through JoJo's bizarre adventure, I think. I finished uh, the second half of Stardust Crusaders. It really wasn't worth the wait, but it was a fine time. And and y'all love y'all love Jaime is Unjakeable so much that I really I can't <laughs> I can't I can't, I can't pass it, it up. So. Jaime is Unjakeable is is uh is actually like really good. Um I wish my only downside is I wish it was more animated. The the success of part three was not as popular. Sorry, Jattle Gendency was not as popular as they wanted it to be. You're thinking of you're thinking of Jardis Jardis oh, Crusaders. Of Jardis oh no, Juicers. I said it on I said it on tape. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah, I mean Stars Crusaders was just kind of like it was fine. Yeah. It just felt like a regular JoJo's, but they're like, hey, let's make two seasons of it. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm tired I'm tired of these characters. <laughs> I, I agree. Like like part three is boring and but it is the most beloved because it is the thing that started off the stands and you know it's a very yeah. it's a very shonen shonen show, which people love people love a, a straight up a, sh- a shonen shonen, a shonen, if you, shonen if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it has some quite high highs, but it does have a lot of filler like Yes. It I mean it it notably does have filler because he was asked to put in more characters because it was more popular. Mm. Like he goes through, is it the Zodiac? And then it goes, mm-hmm. and then it goes through the tarot deck and the tarot deck is all filler because he was asked to make, put them in because joke part three was that popular at the time. Uh, Darby the gambler is a, is a f- favorite of a lot of people. I, I, I talk to yeah. from that particular. Oh, Cause it's a fun, like it's actually not fighting. It's, it's actually mind games and stuff mm. which comes in more in part four and later on. But like also it's very much a monster of the week type scenario where it's like mm-hmm. they fight a thing and then you never see him again and then you go on to the yeah. next fight. Um which is why you could do it. It's just a shame because it like you said, it elongates it and it, it makes it very boring. And at a, at a certain point and at a certain point all the like the protagonists the ensemble group in, in, in Star Wars Crusaders is I guess this is gonna be me on tape talking about Stars Crusaders at last <laughs> up, but uh, the ensemble group like they get together and they like harden this band of brothers, and then they're just that way for ten episodes because they're not at the end of their journey yet, and like they don't grow except to like fight over that awful dog who can also use a stand and stuff. Iggy, it's it. They they they, they like stop. They stop evolving. They just become this like unbreakable brotherhood. Yeah. Um. That- even though the next season is the unbreakable one so <laughs> but the next season like 
people don't just disappear. It's set in the town. It's a different type of thing. And that's good. And like enemies come back as frenemies. You know, like everybody. Uh, and the final villain is is really quite disturbing and terrifying, and and it really like the way that they the way that it all sets up is is good. Like it's good. There's some really memorable parts in part four. Um, I mean, it'll it'll be on there. I've I've have a I have a list of stuff, and I'm currently still slogging through Dirty Pair. I shouldn't I shouldn't insult Dirty Pair. They just had an amazing episode where they had like. Duncan, you're the one where they have to like get the rats, the like super genius rats that have taken over the building. That's the best episode so far. Wow, by God. So I have to get that done. Then I have to watch Magical Night Ray Earth, and then I'll watch JoJo's Bizarre <laughs> Adventure season season four. Yeah. Giant is unjakeable. So <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that we came up with this running joke during the break, oh. listeners, and we can't stop doing it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, are we ready to move on to <laughs> <laughs> to more Otomo I, I talk. Think, I think so. Let's move on. Mm, yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, so I wanted to watch as many as possible. I rewatched Memories. Memories is great. Still, uh, Magnetic Rose is wonderful sci-fi horror. Um, Stink Bomb is fine, uh, and uh, and Cannon Fodder is like a, a lovely uh, allegory. That's a uh, that's 1995. So back in <laughs> 1987, does feel that Stink Bomb uh, is just a run up to a single gag doesn't land <laughs> i mean what it's what it really is is it's someone inspired by the like extremely weird like there's a really there's a, a real life thing that happened where someone had been self-medicating for uh for her cancer and ended up taking uh uh we believe she took dimethyl sulfoxide which her body plus like the medical treatments turned into like an extremely like poisonous and carcin- carcinogenic agent and like 30 people got sick treating her um and and then her like body decayed really rapidly after they yeah because like yeah so it's based on the real thing and honestly as funny as stink bomb is it relies on the guy being an idiot and not realizing that like he's emitting this gas that's killing everyone around him well with this well with a gloria ramirez uh back in 1994 which is clearly a year before the anime and so obviously it was an inspiration um it's just this bizarre medical mystery where it was thought of as like mass hysteria at first where, where people were thinking they were getting sick just because of like random physiological reactions and mm. yeah we had a whole thing of trying to figure out what happened like how <laughs> how uh, electroshock therapy can like convert dimethyl sulfoxide into dimethyl sulfate um <laughs> which just like poisons you on touch it's cool it's a really interesting thing i'll, I'll link it in the show notes the, yeah. the the uh Weird. the wikipedia article about it but yeah it's it's a it's a bizarre thing um but before that he was doing he did a neo tokyo which as i said i wasn't able to watch but i think is the better of the two 1987 anthology compilations and there's robot carnival uh robot carnival uh is um not very good uh <laughs> It is just a story of robots, and besides the intro and conclusion, which are very funny if extremely dark, um, there's only one good, only one good uh, short, and that's directed by the the Golden Boy and Rojin Z director, and it's got Sadamoto Yoshiyuki Sadamoto character designs. It's got Mihiro Maeda robot designs. They it's a bunch of Japanese people using their festival robot to fight off an, an invading foreigner in like an advanced 
Western robot during like the Meiji period. That's great. Everything else, there are two shorts of robots rescuing other of robots rescuing girls from other robots. There are two shorts of giant robots smashing up a bunch of shit. There's a really weird experimental thing where like a robot is born at the beginning of human history and lives through all of human history and then becomes a real boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm a real boy. So it's it's by bi- it's bicentennial man or Pinocchio or AI. Um, yeah, it's not. And there's a weird one where a guy makes a robot because his wife is frigid. Um, and then the robot tells him that she loves him and he freaks out because she's a robot and she's not supposed to love, even though that's what he presumably wanted from a, a robot that he made in a basement. And he smashes her and then he gets old and he sees her in hallucination and he goes with her at the end. Um, that's all robot carnival. <laughs> wow. Uh, but, uh, but like the intro and conclusion are really funny because it's this massive, the titles are this like massive, like tank tread moving thing. It's just this robot carnival. And like, it's it's seemingly destroyed the world like it like all of the, like the dancers that like jump off the thing like explode everything explodes the fireworks are just firing directly into the ground and just blowing up everything in front of them and there's this like post-apocalyptic town of poor peasants and one of them finds the the robot carnival flyer and he's like ah! he's like panicking and he tries to get one to evacuate and then just <laughs> the title sequence comes in just like just flattens their town <laughs> that's great <laughs> and, that's, and that's the opening credits it's just like it comes in it just blows up their town and runs over all their houses and it just keeps going because the robot carnival doesn't care um and that's really funny and it really reminds me that otomo seem i think i it makes sense that otomo went for robots because i think otomo is best at telling stories when they don't involve people or when people are bystanders to larger scientific or societal processes like akira it's about two guys who used to be friends and they aren't really friends anymore, but it's really about someone turning into a giant mutating flesh baby uh, and the government and the military being impotent and also having some responsibility for that. And I think that like robot carnival really nails to me that like Otomo is best when he doesn't have to have like real people or real emotions in this stuff, which seems incredibly damning. And I'm sorry, Um, you're one of the, you're one of the greats of the genre, but (laughs) But uh, it makes sense that he would be like, I'll just make a short of just like robots doing robot stuff. <laughs> and and I can't think of a better metaphor than a, than a giant mechanized title sequence flattening a real human village. <laughs> <laughs> so so there. But um, but yeah, and then I watched Short Piece and I was dreading it because I didn't like Robot Carnival at all. Um, and Short Piece is really good. All of the one, as I said, all of the all of the shorts have like a real story. The first one is well there's like a a girl like follows a white rabbit into like a vr chamber that shows her like a million different worlds that's like the title sequence um there's possessions uh which apparently was nominated for an academy award about like a traveling like uh like craftsman who stays in a shrine and then gets trapped in these like a series of like kind of freaky kind of trippy like demon god encounters like he gets surrounded by all these like broken umbrellas and they're like oh they're so beautiful but they're so broken and all the all the holes in the umbrellas have like monstrous eyes looking through them mm. and he's like it's a shame that they're so broken but you can fix them and he like pastes like new paper over the umbrella and makes them all nice and new and the spirits are happy it's that kind of horror story i mean that's a where that's you know, a legitimate old horror story that is yeah 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 and it's, it's it's great and it's um a lot all of these are in cg i think it's about him like doing cg and like the cg looks great it's got like a nice sort of like cell shaded circa like 2000 early 2010s stuff looks great combustible is done as like an unrolling scroll and so there's like a nice like 
continuity thing mm-hmm. where like the camera will pan back and forth across the scroll as opposed to like cutting um to different things it's about a fire starting an edo um it, the plot's not really great and then there's a guy who almost gets killed by a bear and then an oni comes in but the oni's a space alien kidnapping women to like incubate baby oni in them naturally and like so it, and so it's a three it's a four-way fight between the oni the bear the samurai who tried to kill the bear and then a bunch of shogunate troops show up and that was that was pretty good um <laughs> It sounds so hapdash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like they're all. So it's only it's only a sixty minute, give or take, uh, show. So like each of these is only like ten, fifteen. The last one, uh, a farewell to weapons or farewell to, farewell to arms, mm-hmm. is just a bunch of mercenaries fighting an automated tank in post apocalyptic Tokyo, because all of these take place in the shadow of Mount Fuji. Uh, is like the the unifying theme, and like it's just five super tricked out mercenaries with like near future like they use drones and tripwires and all this like high-tech stuff and they just get destroyed by this by this automated tank with like a rotating laser eye um but it's a really like visually visually incredible thing uh directed by the guy who uh the uh like a longtime gundam gundam guy uh hajime katoki I don't know of any of the Gundams. Let's pause for a minute so I can look up which of the Gundams he did. Long time Gundam guy. That's me. Long time Gundam man. <laughs> That's the name of my YouTube oh, he's, channel. The, he's the, oh, he's the mechanical designer for almost all of the main Gundams. Right. So, yeah. Guy knows his robots. And that, that tank is is terrifying. Like, it's got, it's it's got, um, we just talked about, like, uh, talked about Girls and Panzer. It's got, like, the the metal plates set off from the mm. tank body so that you can't like, it'll like, prematurely explode the weapons. It's just really, it's a really good fight. Like there's no context. They're like, they're like, we love doing hard jobs. We're the toughest mercenaries around. And then they just get fucking spread by a, by a robot tank for like 20 minutes. It's absolutely brutal. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. And all of them had like a story of like, of like encountering being unprepared to encounter forces that are able to ki- that are able to kill you or annihilate you, and so it was actually like all the shorts had a common theme, and that common theme wasn't robots, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is not a theme; that's a word. So, uh, so yeah, I, I recommend Short Piece. I enjoyed it. Um, it's only an hour. Mm-hmm. You get to watch a bunch of really good CG animation. Um, I guess now these days we don't really have to like have extremely artistically brilliant shorts to sell us on the idea that cg animation can look good yeah like we have we already have uh like uh yeah, I, I, have I, can only remember things. I mean but we have like a Hiseki no kuni mm-hmm. uh or which i can't remember what the, the, the english translation of the title yeah land of lustrous uh beast stars um, as well like yeah there's a lot of yeah. great modern examples which highlight exactly yeah that. you don't have to have massive budgets and like ex- like wildly talented directors to make cg look good you just have to have someone who knows the limitation of the of the medium yeah um but these this is still fun and i imagine in 2013 it would have been even more exciting just to see like four really cracking uh cg shorts uh before (laughs) and just be like okay well well maybe the maybe cg has a future it's not it's not all going to be like really awful poser art Mm. so you know, so yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad I watched that at least. I I like the idea that there's um, a sense of actual dread and foreboding and impossibleness with these with that short, especially that you mentioned yeah. with the tank, because 
don't know. It feels yeah. like modern cinema nowadays does not care about things that are impending and in, and like actually a threat to people. I, I just thinking this because we watched Die Hard in the cinema, the original one, <laughs> the other day, and in my head, oh yeah, he suffers so yeah, he suffers so awfully in that movie. He's, it's great. He's really suffering, <laughs> and the threat is really tangible. And it's only about eleven people that are in this building, and it's just like. You compare that to most modern like action movies, and you just like these people. There, there are people who are just literal like pawns who are just thrown away. Like <laughs> they're just no, they just pop around the corner and they're dead, and they don't even have a name, you know. But like every one of these people has a name and a back, like a potential backstory, and are interesting in and of themselves. And the threat feels really real, and you just don't get that anymore. And I'm just like, yeah, I- no, I mean. When they're fighting the ogre in the uh, in Gambo, the third one, like that ogre is legitimately, it seems unkillable. Like it's, it really feels like when they're like, okay, we got to fight this because he keeps stealing our daughters mm. to like make weird ogre hybrids. Like he's huge, and like the guy, the the samurai like charges him with a spear and like puts it in his stomach, and he just like breaks off. He's just like, eh, eh. just breaks it off. It's fine. He doesn't care. Like it's and it, the the idea that you may be fighting an enemy that you cannot kill is very common in, in, in all four of these, in all four of these shorts. And it's, I, I agree. It's something you don't often see in media and cinema anymore um, because you want to have the satisfaction of, I think I can do it. And then I did it. Um, and that it's a very different emotional arc from, I think I can do it. Oh shit. I've made a horrible <laughs> mistake and I can't, I, I can't, I, and I can't get out yeah. of it. The stakes are the stakes are high, and I can't raise to them stakes. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. It, uh, I, and also, part of me wonders whether it's just because video games are a thing, right? Like people. That's true. People in video, you kill. How many people do you fucking kill in GTA or any video game? Which or or fucking uh, Uncharted, where you're like yeah. the dashing Indiana Jones hero, and you kill like three hundred people. You, you, you are like the as I think Idle Thumbs literally called it like the world's most prolific serial killer. <laughs> it's just like this guy who's just he, yeah, and and with reckless abandons, but like I've played I every time I and it's oh man, sorry, but it's really notable in Uncharted. <laughs> like even when I was I was like loaded up Uncharted four because I think it was free. And then I was just like, yeah, this will be a bit of fun. And it is notable. Like, they murder loads of people. And then they just have, like, these beautiful (laughs) set pieces where they just sort of, like, unlock a really obvious, like, puzzle. And you're just like, why? Why are you killing so many fucking people? Because he does. It's very worrying. Did we... Did we just bring up (laughs) Ludo narrative dissonance as a... We did, yes, yes. Yes. That's a... well, now, we're, now we're playing. We're playing Vizio. We're talking about Vizio narrative dissonance. Because, <laughs> like in, because uh, in like Robot Carnival, like one of the t- trademarks of that of that anthology is that like human life is kind of treated as laughably cheap in the face of like the eternity of robots. Mm. Uh, so, so like comparing that to short piece where where each one, like as I said, is is about someone who's just faced something that seems beyond them, versus just like. Lol, we're born to die. Um, which true, that is that is also a, a valid philosophy. I mean, not valid like you should think that, dear listener, but valid as in like <laughs> people do think yeah. that. Uh, I, think, I think so. It's it's very funny how that how much how much the needle has moved from 1987 to nine to 20. How much the needle has moved from 1987 to 2013 in terms of like w- the spectacle of of violence and terror mm-hmm. and. And that sort of thing. 
for one creator. I remember you saying, Ben, I think it was you, not Jeff, who watched um, Freedom. Um, I did. Which was a, Speaking of Otomo, yes. Uh, his, him early, well, his early venture into CG and you sort of remarking on how the environments were quite well done, but the, the, the people were just terrible. Like, has it, mm-hmm. is it at the stage where they've, in these shorts, they've got past that or are they still in the era where they're still having those limitations no matter what budget they throw at it? Um, so it, it varies between different ones because these are all different. The fir- possessions, the, the traveler getting trapped in a shrine is Shuhei Morita, um, mm. who he's, he's a guy who did, uh, freedom. he's Tokyo ghoul, you know, yeah. for, and freedom. Yes. Also. Ah. <laughs> but, um, but that one has a really, he, he, it's a very uncanny, like going to date myself, like Zelda wind waker cell shaded <laughs> look, but it's, it's an extremely detailed model and whatever rigging they've got him on i'm not an animator so i can't really speak authoritatively but whatever rigging they've got him on he looks like a person he looks and moves like a person and it's mostly uncanny just because because computers are uncanny there's there's an unnatural cleanness and an unnatural precision i feel like to to cg even at this point um that they can't shake but it works because it's it's a cg guy in what seems to be this this more traditionally animated world. And I'm sure that the world itself is also CG, but they're definitely like contrasting him versus that. And then combustible is using the one about the Edo fire is using the abstraction of the unrolling picture scroll to, to, to make these CG things look more traditional. And Gambo has like a very heavy film grain and it's weathered. It looks like maybe like they left the negative out in the rain for a couple hours is kind of That's a look cool. there. That's cool. And then, and then Feral Arms is the most traditional. It's just when you're all, when all, even the people who are fighting are in like big uh, exosuits. So it's just robots and robots look great in CG as everyone yeah. has found out yep. since, since decades ago. So, um, so yeah, it, it's different approaches and it really is kind of everyone doing their own thing. Um, but I think that's honestly what an anthology should be for. It should. It, it, I I don't mind anthologies that are based on like a showcase of uh, different techniques or different approaches to the same technique. Um, I like it when they have a, a united theme in terms of story. But that's because I'm a writer and uh, and a, a media critic, and so I I don't don't talk enough about the visual production aspects. But I do like the idea that they're all like we're going to let you make a CG short, make it. Um, Try to make it the best best thing you can, and we get three, we get four different outcomes there was, uh, in that respect. But yeah, there was a uh, one of the, sh- the shorts from uh, Animator Expo, uh, twenty minutes from Nishi Ogikubo Station. One of the versions of it up on YouTube has a director commentary over it, which is really hmm. interesting for such a short thing. And one of the things they talk about is how. Because they, it's just a couple of them animating it. They don't have the people who are normally doing the tweens. It's just the ki- the keys. And so mm. they talk about how much harder it is to achieve a sense of actual proper human movement without these the skill of someone putting in tweens to maintain that sense of like momentum and balance between frames. And I guess... CG for a long time the problem has been it's been a machine doing that and a machine doesn't recognize when it's wrong and so as 
it's just the I think over time a lot of the best studios have just decided not to cheat and do <laughs> as many hand done tweens as they do with traditional animation with CG and you'll still get fairly well financed um, CGs which just look incredibly wooden um, I watched an uh, episode of um, The Dragon Prince the other day uh, uh, a DreamWorks uh, TV anime because uh, a f- f- I was trying to find a recommendation for someone who liked um, Avatar: The Last Airbender and just wanted more of that stuff. And so I found... and at least at least here Netflix will cram down your throat oh, that yeah. if you like Avatar, you should watch The Dragon Prince. And, so and there was just so many recommendations. It was like, okay, fine, I'll watch a couple and I'll I'll try and guide you through one. And I watched it. It was just so incredibly stiff. Like I'm 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 used to even quite bad anime cg and this was far worse and i think there's still a long way to go because that's a well-financed project by a big studio and yeah that's and you're still getting very they felt like puppets and like that that's just from stance to stance and no no in-betweens and like as this demand to put out more and more anime and like Netflix is the one thing Netflix is notorious for is CG anime just getting put out for things people have huge expectations for and then falling flat. Like that that desire to cut out the the manual work, it doesn't work at this point. Like any any time a production does that and and skips on the tweening, it's it suffers hugely. Yeah, um, this is going to be something that I probably will not stand by in a few years but the dream of automation that is replacing people wholesale does not seem to be a, a actionable dream like you can't replace people with machines you can augment people and you can reduce their role and you can reconfigure how processes happen but the idea that you can just like put in a robot as tweener um for cg mm. as opposed to some sort of like i don't know because just the way that our brains work the way that we that we like perceive something that's real versus not real perceive something that's that's fake uh these things are are not going to like be able to be replaced by computers effectively unless there is someone there at the switch saying yes or no yeah and one of the weird things about watching like ruby or watching dragon prince is like there are always cuts in Ruby, especially there are cuts where I'm just like, I can't believe someone didn't spike this and put it back. Like, like y'all need to change how this is done because it's, it doesn't look like real people, but, but Ruby, then again, the structure of the structure of the industry is just not in a, in a place where you can throw out cuts like that, which I think anime is. Mm. And unfortunately that means that it's exploitative of its workers because of that. But I do think that like, mm it's hard to predict what, what passes a sniff test versus what doesn't. And I think that part of my like increasingly warm assessment of short piece is that everything, everything passed the sniff test, but that's how shorts are. You can, all you have to worry about is 20 minutes of animation and, and nothing else ever again. So, but Ruby is an exception because it is done by an, uh, like a doujin team It's rooster teeth. The people yeah. who did, you know, yeah. like that's true. Red versus blue halo two like short stupid mm. videos so yeah like it is their first thing and to be fair good on them because it seems to be very successful but i can't watch it because 
It's yeah, too. I can't watch. I can't watch it either. I can only watch it secondhand through H Bomber Guy's video. So. The only other thing that I, <laughs> I've like, the only other thing like that, like conversely, which is also cheap, but it's not CG, is that weird Project High School thing that Net, that Crunchyroll have done, which is an absolute dumpster truck of people going, "Oh, I know what is woke and what the young kids want," and then it just it it is so cringeworthy and falls flat on its face every fucking time. Um, but it's fun to laugh at in like 15 second clips on YouTube. Um, if you know the thing I'm talking about, I can't find it's actual. I don't no. know. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to Google it for you, and I don't <laughs> I don't think you I don't think you gave the name right. So, not X Arm, I presume. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Speaking speaking of someone needs to like you have your official sniff test person to like make sure that it passes it passes muster. I think it's High Guardian Spice you're thinking of, Andy. That's it. I am thinking of High Guardian Spice. Thank you. It looks ter- It looks. It looks abominable. I'm shocked. Um, th- like all the designs look good, but it just doesn't look good moving. It's weird. And, and I'm uncomfortable. And it's all in English. And the way that um, it tries to be, um, it tries to be down with the kids and woke, but it's very much yeah. directed by a cast of people who don't understand it and think that the way you do it is by pandering to those audiences in very like in very literal and cringy ways which just unsurprisingly the people that they're trying to pander to are repulsed by it because it's terrible yeah <laughs> it's the it's the bad outcome of kipo kipo and the age of wonder beast sort of just like maximalist inclusive animation mm. Kipo anyway, sorry, was, Duncan, you were saying? Kipo came from the same lineage of uh, She-Ra, right? It's the yeah, same people. I think so. I, didn't, I bounced off Kipo. I, I watched the first episode and thought it was too cringe. But. It gets better, but yeah, I can get that. It, this stuff just has to land with you, how it lands with you. Yeah. We've, we've gone pretty far afield. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember where we were. Ruby, then... You were talking about how they didn't look good even in stills. Yeah, like, that's the um, problem with this animation. Dragon Dragon Prince, you can look at it, and in, in its stills, it it looks fine. It looks more than presentable, but it's it's in motion where it fails. Whereas things like um, XR, as as you say, just completely and utterly uh, faceplant. And I think one show I oh which I really worried about was uh, Doro Hodoro. When when we found out that had CG, I I thought that it was going to be just completely ruined. And actually, we got a a still very uh, stilted in parts show, but augmented it by the use of two um, G animation for um, faces and for close ups. Like it it was it was kind of like the industry standard took to extreme because like. Often CGs used for background art, and so it was like, is this shot of them at mid length? Well, then that's a CG model. Close up, then you can get your properly hand drawn stuff. And it feels like when they're the a lot of the examples we'll give of good CG shows like Land of the Lustrous still use two D cheats for their faces and and such. And so it'll be interesting when we see a short where it's wholly done and it feels natural and smooth at the moment you see stuff like that from people like pixar and it's because they commit thousands of hours by incredibly talented people to it yeah Yeah. 
unfortunately just just manpower is is still that's the funny thing about like this attempt to like automate out artists is that you still have to throw tons of man hours at it Mm. and i don't know when that's going to change when you hear uh, pixar talking about their innovations it's it's not about automation it's about tools it's it's how they've produced things which the artist can use to produce better outcomes rather than to replace the artists and i think thankfully that's that's a good thing like yeah and yeah automation will fail and the masses will rise up and Long live the revolution. <laughs> Anime revolution. It's a mm. happening, baby. It's a happening. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Next week, we'll be having a tween where we all watch X-1999, the controversial adaptation of the 18-volume Clamp manga into a single movie. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. A woman... Uh, removes a sword from her womb the hard way in the first five minutes of the of the anime. So, you know, it's going to be a good time. Uh, so tune in for that. But in the meantime, rate, review, and subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions. Yeah. Ask us who our favorite dragon of the earth and dragon of the heavens is from X1999. Uh, KeyframesPodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, tell a friend. But, um, I wouldn't say any friend, Ben. Uh, if I were you, I'd tell the friend who likes to wrap things up in about 10 to 15 minute increments. And then you never see him <laughs> again for about a week. <laughs> I- I'm, I'm going to tell my best friend, uh, Joan Joshin, about, <laughs> about our podcast. Yeah. Tell your friends with alliteration in their name. Yes. That's great. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye.